Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. Hi, welcome to Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity. I'm Susan Shereko. As we start today's show, I'd like you to pull yourself away from your outer activities just a little bit by taking a few deep breaths. Breathe in, thinking calmness. Breathe out. Breathe in, thinking peace. Breathe out. Breathe in, thinking oneness and unity. Breathe out. For these next few minutes, I'd like you to hold the intention to listen for solutions to problems that you may be facing. You have chosen to listen to this podcast for a reason, whether you know it consciously or not. And so may you ask for an answer and be open to receive it. It gives me great pleasure to be joined today by Reverend Sandra Ann Daly. I mentioned her briefly in Rainbows Over Ruins, but this will be an opportunity to spend an extended time with her, talking about her experience of what I call escape, rescue, and recovery. Um, I first became aware of Sandra when I was studying with Bob Proctor, and she had just finished her book, Pop Your Paradigms. Paradigms being something that Bob talks about as thought habits that we want to eliminate for the most part. Uh, I was interested in her book, but what I discovered was something very different. She was describing her personal journey to remove herself from a violent family situation. And as Sandra described the experience, I was amazed at how vividly she captured the way we listen to positive and negative voices in our heads and how courageous she was. Sandra left her home and family, boarded a Greyhound bus with a backpack, a duffel bag, and $80 in her pocket. She had no job, no job prospects. When she arrived in Phoenix, Arizona, she didn't know a soul, and she was homeless for a bit. Yet Sandra managed to change her life. She moved on. Within 21 days, are you counting 21 days? That's three weeks of arriving in Phoenix. Sandra had found a place to live, a job, and met the man who has since become her husband. She later attended seminary. the Seminary of Spiritual Peacemaking, is a minister and founder of the Open Moment Ministry. Sandra uses positive self-talk, uh, positive questions uh, for the solutions that she seeks and has developed a finely tuned sense of a loving voice within. She listens. Call it a God thing, a God wink, a God shot, whatever you want to. Many of us say those words, but Sandra is someone who lives them. So within the past year, Sandra has published a, her third book called Successfully Midair, in which she shares the tools she used to make this incredible change in her life. She contacted me last summer after reading one of my articles, and she was one of the first people I called when I began looking for guests for this podcast series. We share a common bond. We have both made the journey to rebuild after crisis. And we are both mid-air, which means we haven't gotten through it yet. So please welcome Reverend Sandra Ann Daly. Hi, Thank Sandy. You. <laughs> Hi. I was going to say, go ahead and call me Sandy. <laughs> so, Sandy, there are many listeners who, who may find themselves uh, in what you describe in successfully mid-air as tossed out life changed, but not of their own conscious choosing. They, I, I've pictured or remember it as being just trying to wrap my head around what has happened to me, okay? And I, and I remember that I didn't have a purpose or a plan. I didn't know, you know, the success principles were far from my mind when I came home and discovered a landslide had come through my house. What I had was shock and and panicked of how were we going to survive, and I didn't know what to do, and it took me quite a bit of time to figure it out. 
So I'd like to start by asking, when, where did you start? Um, where were you? What happened? What you did to prepare yourself before you actually left Oregon? And, and what did you do once you got to Phoenix that made, made it all happen in such a short period of time? <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to be a great <laughs> conversation. <laughs> That's one um, question. Okay. <laughs> okay, so so I'll start at the beginning. Um, you mentioned the violent family dynamic that I that I actually I grew up in a in a it, I, it was a violent and painful and ugly family life, um, and it was a life in which I learned as a very young child that I was worthless, that I would never amount to anything, that that nobody would ever love me, that I was ugly, that you know on all that stuff um, that becomes ingrained when you're trained as a child to believe it about yourself. And so I grew up living my life as if those things were true because I believed them. And so fast forward to the age of 34 uh, in 1999, I was in another abusive relationship in a long line of abusive relationships. I was getting beat up on a regular basis. I thought I deserved it. I thought I, you know, was meant to be a victim. I didn't necessarily believe that I deserved to be abused. In fact, I struggled against that. You know, I, why is this happening to me? I'm such a good person. I don't, you know, it, you know that kind of thing. I was very much the victim. And um, it was miserable. It was a miserable way to live. And I, one day in my third year in relationship with this particular man, I, it was the, it was the, I don't know the exact date, but it was the, probably the middle of August of 1999, I had a new thought. And it was something, it was like an idea that I had never experienced before. I didn't quite know what to do with it, but it wouldn't go away. It, it hung out with me for five or six weeks. And that thought was, and this was very different from anything I had ever thought for myself before, it was, there's got to be a better way for me to live than this. There's got to be a better way for me to live than this. And it was so, that that thought itself was like mind-boggling to me because the versions of that that I had had before were very much from the victim, from my victim role. I wish there was a better way. It's just too bad, my life. It's horrible, you know, and and. So, so I never got past that. I never grew from that. And then all of a sudden, here's this new version of that thought. There's got to be a better way for me to live than this. There's got to be a better way. And I didn't, there wasn't any part of me that believed there could be a better way for me to live. Mm-hmm. I didn't, there wasn't any part of me that believed it. But I made a conscious decision to be willing to believe it. I'm willing to believe that there's a better way. And this is, this, that is a description of the open moment, and that is why I named my ministry Open Moment Ministries, because, because of how powerful that one thing was. Without that decision to be willing to believe that new thought, my life never would have changed, and I would have been dead by the age of 40. There's no question. There is no question about that. I would have died young at the hands of a man who claimed to love me. So, so during those five or six weeks, I, I, it, that thought kept showing up. There's got to be a better way. There's got to wow. be. And I started being willing to see different ways that I could live. I, I had shunned church because it was, you know, uh, pardon me if, if I, I'm not trying to be offensive, but this was my mindset at the time because right. it was. A lot of the abuse that happened in my life happened at the hands of Christians. And so I didn't want anything to do with Christianity or the church or God. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I was, I hated God. You know, it wasn't that I actually didn't believe in God. I, I hated God because I felt like I was God's victim. And so, but during that time, I was like, okay, I'm willing to try something different. So I went to church a couple times, and and I found out that the Baptist church was not for me, but I was heartened by my own willingness to do something different. 
And so I, I decided to keep my mind open. And um, I just stayed in the willingness to believe that it could be done differently, that my life could be lived differently from the way I had always lived it. And uh, September 19th, it's a red letter day in my life. <laughs> September 19th of 1999. It's amazing that it was your mind that much. Oh God, yeah. I have never, I've never forgotten it. It was a Sunday. It was 3:30 in the afternoon. I was still in my victim life. I had, what I believe I was doing during that time was, um, I don't know, vibrationally priming myself to be able to hear what I heard that day and 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 make the decision to apply it in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, that day, it was a Sunday. It was 3.30 in the afternoon. My abuser was outside washing his truck. I came downstairs and I turned on the TV just in time. Well, I landed on Oregon Public Broadcast. I'm flipping through the channels and there I am. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I landed on Oregon Public Broadcasting just in time to hear this little tiny blonde woman say, that we all deserve to have our dreams come true. And I thought she was nuts. I thought she was crazy. And in fact, I was upset. I'll, I'll never forget this feeling. I was upset with Oregon Public Broadcasting for allowing a crazy person to be on the air. That was, that was how much it irritated me. <laughs> you, I mean, you were nowhere close to that point. Of no, no, nowhere. Nowhere, you know. I, my, I remember thinking, God, she must have grown up on a mountainside somewhere <laughs> to believe that that we all deserve to have our. Uh, yeah. I don't even understand what that meant, and but 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 I couldn't I couldn't get myself to change the channel. I was fascinated, and just I, you know, two, three, maybe five minutes later. She said she said something. She said six, a 16-word sentence that completely changed the way I saw my life. It was so interesting. And I, it's my belief that it was those 16 words that I had been priming myself to be able to hear. Mm-hmm. And that was, she was quoting Lao Tse. She said, if you continue, and this is so simple. It's like, duh. <laughs> if, you, if you continue down the road you're on, you're going to end up where you're headed. That's, you know, that's what, that's all she said. If you continue, well, that's not all she said, but that's, that's the 16 (laughs) words that caught my attention. If you continue down the road you're on, you're going to end up where you're headed. I saw where I was headed. And for the first time ever, for the first time ever in my life, I could see that it was my choices that were taking me down that road. It was my choices that had brought me to that point. Not his not my uh, my childhood abusers not you know it was my choices that were creating the road that i was going down so i i i i can remember sitting cuz i had been all hunched down pretty much in the fetal position in the couch mm-hmm. you know watching watching this program and i can remember when she said that i it was like i was jerked upright by a string in my back you know oh my god oh, my God, I could see where I was headed. I'm going to die at the hands of a man who says that he loves me. He's going to put me in a grave. Or he's going to put me in a wheelchair, and I'm going to end up at the mercy, at his mercy for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to end up in, in either one of those places. Mm-hmm. And I could see that, it was, that that was my road, that I was, it was my choices that were taking me there. It may have been his actions, but it was my choices. And... I so I, I so I the light shone on that really brightly for me for a, about a split second, and then I went right back in. Well, you've read Pop Your Paradigm, so mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. You, get, you get this. I went right back into apathy about the whole thing. It, well, it's just too bad. It's just too bad that this is the way my life is. But the the woman that I heard that I was watching, her name is Mary Mann and Morrissey. And uh, this was a program called Building Your Dreams, and it was based on her book that's called Building Your Field of Dreams. She said those 16 words, and, and all of that stuff that I just talked about happened, you know, in a split second. Meanwhile, she continued, well, and one of the things, one of the places where I went in my own mind was, but U-turns don't work. 
U-turns don't work. I've already left this man six times, and every time it's worse when he finds me and drags me back. So, you don't, again, you grew up on a mountainside. You don't know what you're talking about because you're not living this life. But, again, you know, I couldn't change the channel because I was so fascinated. So, so all of that happened in a very brief amount of time while she continued talking. And what she, the whole thing that she said was, if you continue down the road you're on, you're going to end up where you're headed. But just make a little shift in direction, 10 degrees, one degree, and a mile down the road, you're in a whole new place. You're in a whole new place. And, I, and that, that, in that, I could see my, the possibilities. Mm. When she said that, the, that whole, you know, just make a U-turn and your life will be magically different, you know, I had tried that. I had tried that. But just making it keep continuing to move forward, but just making little shifts in direction as I did so, I could see that I, that I could. It was possible for me to end up in a different place if I was willing to do that. But, Sandy, you didn't do this all on your own at that point, did you? I was all on my own. But, I mean, once you realized that, did you continue to, to grow in private or did you seek her out or did you get materials? I mean, how did you hang on to this idea? Once I, were- well, that day, the very first thing I ever did, you know, for myself without asking for permission um, was I ordered her book. Okay. I called. I mean, it was I – don't, I don't even want to go into how intense that phone call was, knowing that he could walk into the apartment any time, but – that was like my very first my very first step was to go ahead and pick up the phone and and order her book and and I paid $120 for that book I paid $10 oh. a month for a year for mm. that book it was because this was a um fundraiser thing for Oregon Public Broadcasting it was part of mm-hmm. the uh, P, you know that PBS thing like Wayne Dyer does right right um, yeah and so so I ordered and that book that book was my best friend for 18 months. I carried that thing with me everywhere I went. And whenever I found myself struggling, you know, that was my companion. That was, that was the help I got was her book. I did attend her church in Wilsonville um, several times, but it was mainly her book mm-hmm. that, that saved me. That, well, it wasn't her book that saved me. It was my willingness to apply the tools that I found in her book. Right. That saved me. And um, now, now you actually, you say you, you carried this with you for 18 months where it was with you all the time. Did mm-hmm. you, but you left Oregon maybe nine months later. So you carried nine it with you. later. Yeah. So what, I mean, what was going on, what actually was leading you up to this point where you were ready to get in that, get, get on that bus and leave? When I heard her say, just make a little shift in direction and a mile down the road, you're in a whole new place, my thought was, I can do that. I can do that. I can just make little shifts in direction. And so I decided at that point in the relationship, I had given up on love, okay? I, I, any thought that he, could, he wasn't capable of loving another person. He didn't know. He wanted to. He did not know how. And I, in that relationship, didn't know how to receive love either. So I, at that point in the relationship, had given up on, on trying, to, you know, trying to get him to love me. I was done with that. At that point, I just wanted peace. I just want peace. Mm-hmm. I just want five seconds of not having to be afraid of when his fist is going to come out of nowhere and punch me in the side of the face. I just want peace. And during that program, so Mary talked about peace, and she quoted A Course in Miracles. She said, peace begins with me, and I can choose peace instead of this. I can choose peace instead of this. And I decided that is going to be my shift in direction. That is, I'm going to, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to choose peace instead of this. And, and I'm going to change my life by doing that. And uh, it took me nine months 
to, because I wasn't very good at it at first. I was so frustrated with myself because I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to completely change my life. I'm just going to choose peace. And the first time he picked a fight with me after I made that decision to choose mm-hmm. peace, I forgot all about choosing peace because mm-hmm. peace was not a part of our dynamic. It wasn't a part of my pattern yet. Mm-hmm. And it was my it, it wasn't my road I was shifting. It was my pattern. It was my personal way of being that needed to be shifted, and not anything outside of me. And I didn't realize that at the time. So mm. I he 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 would pick a fight with me. You know, this happened on a regular basis. It was always a, about a six hour marathon of domestic violence, just pain. And um, I got. I I would get so mad at myself because we would go through that whole thing and which always ended with me getting hurt and a couple hours later I would realize dang it I was going to choose peace and I forgot god I I really am a piece of crap I really don't deserve to be happy because I can't I can't even choose peace what a what a piece I am Mm -hmm. and and Finally, after several weeks of that, I, I, would, I would make a decision again and again, okay, next time I'm going to choose peace. I'm just going to choose peace. And I would forget every single time. So finally, I recognized that during that time after, after the domestic violence thing was going on, was, was done, I was continuing beating on myself because I, because of what I didn't do, that I, because I hadn't kept my word to myself. Mm-hmm. So finally, I realized that that was where I needed to start. Right there was where I needed to start. I can choose peace instead of this. My own peace begins within me, and nobody else is responsible for whether or not I feel peaceful. I can choose peace instead of this. I do not have to beat myself up about this. This is silly. And so that was where I started. And it took nine months for me to go from forgetting completely until hours after the the fact to getting to a point where in the, like toward the end of the six-hour marathon, I would remember, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have to do this. I can choose peace instead of this. One of the wow. things that Mary that's said, a big change when you can make that it, shift. Oh yeah, in the oh, middle yeah. of one of those moments. It was a it was amazing, and one of the ways I was able to do that was by remembering there's one sentence in Mary's book that goes with me everywhere, with uh, with my as far as my interactions with other people goes, especially mm-hmm. if someone's being negative toward me. You do mm-hmm. not have to let the petty acts of an unhappy individual damage you. Mm-hmm. That was so huge for me because his, I, that's what helped me to realize that his behavior wasn't about me. It might may have been directed at me, but it was never about me. It was about what was going on inside of him. This was a man in pain. Mm-hmm. So, so why not choose peace instead of this? Because it doesn't really have anything to do with me anyway, except that I'm the one that's here with him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's not. He, what's going on inside of him is not responsible for my peace. It's what's going on inside of me that's responsible for whether I feel peaceful or not. So I, that's what. That's how I did it. I just practiced and practiced. Shift. I'm gonna shift my direction right now. So it got to where started that I came to the point that at, toward the end I would just end it abruptly with, oh, you know what? I don't have to push against you anymore. I have to push against you. It doesn't serve either one of us for me to do that. Let's just get this done now. And I, I can choose. I never said it out loud because, because you know, he would have put That would have set there, him off. But, yeah, yeah. So, but, but even my stopping pushing against him triggered him. Mm-hmm. He, he, it, would, it triggered him. He got worse. Mm. But I got stronger. I got stronger during that time. So it got to where halfway through, I would be, why am I doing this? Here I am again. I don't need to do this. I can choose peace instead of this. Mm-hmm. My peace is my own responsibility, and I can choose peace instead of this. And then it got to where, you know, it wouldn't, it would start, but it wouldn't go anywhere because I would remember, oh, yeah, that's right. I can choose peace instead of this. By the end of that nine months, 
he was, I broke my buttons during that time. That was how I was looking at it. My buttons are my own because oh. he had certain, certain things that he knew would make me cry and would make me feel bad about myself and would make me get defensive and that would start a fight. And those were my hot buttons. Well, my buttons are my own and I can deactivate them anytime I choose. And so, but he, and as I went through that nine month experience, I ended up being grateful for those times that he would take a stab at my buttons because, oh, look, he's giving me another opportunity to practice getting really good at this. Thank you. Thank you, universe, for this opportunity to practice. Mm. And, mm -hmm. And so needless to say, he was completely triggered by the end of that nine months where, you know, I had become a much stronger person than I had ever been before in my life. And he was triggered, mm. so much so that I really, I mean, it was very clear that if I did not leave town, he was going to kill me. He was going to end up strangling the life out of me just because I wasn't giving him what his programming needed from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I took my backpack and my duffel bag and my $80, mm. <laughs> and I climbed on a Greyhound bus. And I came here to Phoenix uh, on June 26th of 2000. I had Mary's book under my arm, and uh, it was it was it was a very uh, it was such an interesting experience. It was so hard. It was so hard, and it was so scary. But I would do it again in a heartbeat because of the way it all happened and who I became as a result. You know, I I never, it, without that experience, I would not have become the woman that I am today. Hey, absolutely and, not. Now, I, yeah. I do have a question because, you know, it did take such a short period of time. Many of us, I mean, I know that, that we went through a year and a half before we could resolve all the issues after the landslide. And and it, was, it wasn't a question of, oh, we'll have everything we need um, to move forward in 21 days, or, or it didn't feel like that. Um, and, and maybe if I look back on it, I see, you know, we did get roofs over our heads and we found a place to put our animals and we, um, you know, we did have work, although we didn't feel very much like doing it at that point because we were in such shock and trying to rescue our lives. But you, what was your mindset as you set off in Phoenix, not knowing anyone? I mean, how did you, how did you pull yourself together in that new place? Um, were there special thoughts that you were holding? Was it still this one thought of I can choose, you know, a better way? I or uh, uh, was it a trusting thought? What, uh, you know, what were you thinking? Well, that's so interesting that you ask. Um, one of the things I and I remember this vividly. My very first aha moment was during that program on September nineteenth of nineteen ninety nine, and it wasn't those sixteen words. It was it was my own. This this was my own thought, and it was a huge aha for me. And that was, you mean I get to choose what I think about things? You mean I get to choose what I think about anything? I get to choose what I think about this, and I get to choose what I think about that? You mean I get to choose what I think about things? That's why my first book is called Choose Your Universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's because of that. And um, so, yes, I did have, I had um, um, quotes, just quotes. They were, that's what I used as my tools when I first came here. I had several, I probably had a dozen little, little, little pieces of paper with quotes written on them in my back pocket. And when, when I would find myself having a hard time with something, I would, I, I, well, there was there was a question that I basically lived in that that wasn't written on a piece of paper, but it was it was who I wanted to become. So at, at that point, I just wanted to learn how to live a happy life. I wanted to learn how to be a happy person because I had never really experienced happiness, and so I would ask myself the question over and over again when I found myself in something that felt difficult, how would a person who knows how to live happy do this? 
How would a person that just that just knows how to be a happy person do this? And and then I would do that. And that and that's how I so pretty much. I mean that was that was the the verbiage of the question, but um, that the the essence of the question was, who would a happy person be being in the midst of this? How would that person be perceiving this? How would that person be responding to this? Who mm-hmm. would that person be being? And so, and and so, I would just be that person, even though it felt uncomfortable and unnatural at first. That was that was my challenge. That and it ended up being very fun, but. Um, one of the things that would happen as a result of the question would would be, oh yeah, I remember I have those little pieces of paper in my pocket, and I would pull them out and I would pick one at random, and it was always something that was applicable in the situation. Like you you had one. You, I just looked at your Facebook page a little while ago. <laughs> you have two of them posted. I do. <laughs> yes, you have two of them posted on your Facebook page, hmm. and I used those religiously one of them is well actually they're both Mary Men and Morrissey quotes one of them is my history need not determine my destiny it can but it doesn't have to um, well th- that last part was me but Mary's mm-hmm. quote is my history need not determine my destiny and that is so powerful because because I could apply it you know as I would would meet a guy that the old me, the previous me, would hook up with just so I wouldn't have to be alone. Ooh, my history does not determine my destiny. I don't, just because this is how I would have done it before doesn't mean I have to do it that way now. I don't have to just jump into another relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's one way I used it. The other one was that you have posted on your Facebook page was where I place my attention, I'm placing my intention. Mm-hmm. So what I have my attention on, I'm telling my subconscious mind to go find me more of that. So what do I have my attention on? What am I focusing on right now? Because what I focus on is going to expand in my in my awareness. And during that time, when I would find myself focusing on something that I could use to beat myself up with, I would I would deliberately recognize it. And well, this is, I mean, this sort of brings us to the tools that you use, that you talk about in Successfully Midair. Um, yeah, the first one you already mentioned, which is that open moment, which is mm-hmm. your, I guess you define it as the willingness to believe in a possibility. And, and yeah. you, you tell a great story about Nelson Mandela in the book. Uh, oh. You know, what, maybe it could still happen. What if this is just what my dream looks like? right now oh i love that question what if this is just what my dream looks like right now because it is yes because it is that is so powerful Uh, and i i mean i agree i mean it's just such a the the fact that uh you know all these things are they're they're part of an avail a, a field of availability and we're moving through it and as we change we attract different things but we have to recognize it's all part of the process. Um, mm-hmm. And then you move on, and you've already alluded to it here too, which is what am I doing with my mind? And, um, you know, for me that is a, you know, I've, I'm, I'm so into the power of the mind that, that what, I, what I first began doing was looking at how powerless I felt. I felt powerless. I, I was, you know, our home had been destroyed. We had no money. We had other things going on. And I felt as if I had, uh, you know, I didn't have control over my money. I didn't have control over people, places, or things. I didn't have control over circumstances and events. Did I, I was powerless. And then I became aware that I wasn't powerless that I had the power of my mind and I could turn to this subconscious quality that would go out when a question was asked and search for an answer. Mm-hmm. And if I asked the right question, and the importance here was it should be a positive question rather than a negative one because the mind doesn't care. It'll go either direction depending on right. which way you you know, point it. 
that if I looked toward the positive question, amazing things would happen, and that I would have power through that that questioning. So here you are with a series. I mean, really, the book is filled with these kinds of questions that direct us in new ways. Um, so I love that. I mean, you start with um, that. I not only do I what you, you actually go through what Bob Proctor would call the intellectual faculties. Yes. The the six I learned ways them from him. Yes. Yes. I learned yes. Them, I learned them from him. Yes, and so it's well, he he caught my. I'm sorry. I need. I no, got go to interrupt with this. He caught my attention when he said, um, "In school, the students are not taught how to think." in school. They are taught how to read, write, and remember. Mm-hmm. They're not taught how to really think. They're, children in school nowadays are, well, at any point in time, I believe, they've never been taught that they actually even have six mental faculties that are meant to be used as tools to create the life that they want. Mm-hmm. And that's so there's, so let's see, right, we can go through them. You know, if, if, if this We'll go back to the Nelson Mandela quote. If this is a necessary part of my dream unfolding, how would I be perceiving it? Because perception, mm-hmm. how we see things, is is one of those key components. Um, what am I doing with my intuition? And this is really, uh, or your imagination. I, I see, sense you having an incredible intuition. You have tapped into this, this subconscious inner voice within in such a profound way. You really listen. Uh, mm. I know sometimes you fight it. You tell a few stories where, you know, you were darned and begone if you weren't going to do it your, the way you figured it out, you were going to do it. And I know that feeling. I do it too. Uh, but it is so wonderful to hear how you... Um, Listen to this inner voice or this guidance that comes from within. Um, and, uh, and then let's see, we have, what am I doing with, mem- this one I like too. What am I doing with my memory? Future memory is like a planner. Can you explain what you mean by future memory? Um, future memory is just, we use it um, in conjunction or in tandem with because all of these are used in tandem but we do it with our imagination whether we're doing it consciously or not so as i look to my future you know what am i doing with my imagination as i look to my future am i imagining the worst am i imagining the best and where i place my attention i'm placing my intention this all works together uh-huh. Uh-huh. so as i'm looking to my future i'm actually prepaving my road. I'm pre-paving yes. my road with, by virtue of what I'm doing with my attention, where I'm placing my attention, what I'm doing with my imagination. That is future memory. You can, I mean, how many of us have, a, we, have a, we have vision boards that we use mm-hmm. as tools, or we write out our goals, or we, or, and or we write out our vision, and, you know, that's future memory, and mm-hmm. that behaves like a planner. It's, yes. you know, a planner, P-L-A-N-N-E-R, um, is that, and it's so huge. I, I can always know by the way I feel as I think about my future, as I consider my future, what I'm creating. Right, that's, my feeling. Yes. Go ahead. The feeling is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, that reminds me, you know, Bob Proctor, we always had that big circle that's divided in half. And your thoughts were at the top of the circle, and feelings were at the bottom half of the circle. And it is, as we thought with feeling, it moved us into action, and then that would lead to the results that we wanted. And that, that became really important to me as I went through this re- process of rebuilding my life. What was I feeling, and what did, if, if there was something I wanted, and we, we haven't talked about wanting things so much, but, but that is an, probably the first thing we need to know is what do we want, but how do we want to feel when we have it? Mm-hmm. it that's, and that, that, nowadays, that I have learned, yeah, I have learned nowadays to go there first. Mm-hmm. How, do I want, how do I want to feel? And that, that's one of the things that happened during those 21 days. 
because mm. I and and this is something that that I've really come to know as I look back on that experience that it serves me personally better to know how I want to feel and let the details come from there rather than, you know, uh, saying, you know, I want to have a million dollars and I want to, you know, I want to have, and I want to have the things I want to have. Um, if I, if I try to go there first, I end up feeling frustrated as I consider those things. But if I can do it the other way around, this is what works for me. Uh, mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. I want? How do I want to feel as I move forward? This is what I did back then. How does a happy person do this? Yes. I just want to be happy. How does a person who knows how to live happy live this moment? And I would have to happen in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would do that. I would do that. I would live the moment in the way that I felt inspired to live the moment, and. And this is where will comes in. That's another one of those mental faculties. Mm-hmm. I had to, it, I had to use the power of my will to remember to ask the question in the midst of whatever was going on. How does a happy person do this? How does a happy person? How does a person who knows how to live happy live this moment? So so important. And so I just did in the moment. I lived the moment the way I felt inspired to live the, that moment. And I let the details take care of themselves, and oh my God, I landed in Port, uh, in, in Phoenix on June 27th of 2000, and 21 21 days later, I had the best job I'd ever had in my whole life, making more money than I'd ever made in my life. I had a place to live. I had money in my pockets. I was making friends, and I had already met the man who is the best man in the world for me. <laughs> and in fact, this is our weekend. This is our anniversary weekend. We got oh no, kidding! Oh wow, happy yeah. anniversary! Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. February twenty ninth. We got wow. Oh wow, I'm leap year no less. So wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is interesting because this feeling component. I, I mean, I think it's because you talk about this throughout your the successfully mid air. When we try to force something because we're thinking of it from the outside of our lives, like. Mm-hmm. I get all these pieces in a row just the way I figured it out and take all the steps that the, I've already determined that this is the way it goes and it will all be just, it will bring me what I want. We sometimes wind up pushing too hard and we hit a brick wall and we find it's not coming together at all the way we planned it. But when we go back to this feeling place you're talking about and mm-hmm. come from that inspiration of what we want to feel, Doors open. It is. It, I mean, it is an amazing experience to see how quickly they open when we stop working from the outside and work from the inside out. Yep, has to happen from the inside out. Yes. So, um, I tell you, I guess we left out reason. What am I doing with my reason? Because I just described reason in the sense of I've got it all laid out. Right. Right. Well, and and our reasoning mind. The, the reasoning aspect of our mind is the one that says, oh, look at me. What am I doing with my mind? And and it's our reasoning mind that picks the, the ones that we're going to focus on. And so it's the reasoning mind that says, what am I doing with my imagination? Oh, my God, what am I doing with my imagination right now? Holy moly. I do not want to end up where this, where this is going to take me. If I keep doing I used to do that whole imagination thing my husband and I used to have Harleys and mm-hmm. he would go, he would go out on his bike and if he didn't if he didn't get home when I thought he should <laughs> my imagination always ended up taking him into a ditch mm. and I would make I would make myself miserable just because of what I was doing with my imagination and then by and then when he did get home I would have to really check myself not to greet him at the door upset with him because I don't want to do that. He, he would, I remember watching him pull into the driveway with that huge smile on his face after he'd been out on his bike all day. And I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to ruin that for him because of what I was doing to my own self in my imagination. So 
you know, that's a good example. I don't want to go where this is going to take me. And, mm-hmm. and the where it always took me was to a feeling of what am I going to do without him and what if he's really hurt and I don't want to see him, you know, and all this icky, icky feeling. All that stuff. Yes. Yeah, so, so my reasoning mind would go, I, can, I remember this one instance vividly. It was my reasoning mind that said, look at what you're doing to yourself just because of what you're doing in your imagination. Mm-hmm. What if he's having the wonderful time that you know he's having and he's just not worried about time? Mm-hmm. What if he's having an amazing time? And, and my imagination could get into that because I knew in my heart with my intuition that he's fine. He was always fine. And so you went to so, the more positive place. Mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. Now, I, have, I, I know that uh, when we talk about feelings, we are talking uh, positive feelings, you know, good feelings that we want to fe- feel. However, I also remember that the thing that plagued me the most after the landslide as we tried to start our rebuilding was fear, a, ru- a gut-wrenching, deep-in-the-pit-of-my-stomach kind of fear that it was very hard to get past. And uh, I know you, you wrote, you write a whole, that's one of your tools, how to neutralize fear so that you can step forward in faith. How did you get that to work for you? How, what, what happened? Um, that was, I had, again, we're back to the quotes. I had two quotes that I used. They were partners. They were partners in my experience. Um, the first one, and I'll go back to the Leaving Portland example, I was terrified to get on that bus and come to Phoenix knowing I was going to be homeless in an unfamiliar city. I was terrified. I was very afraid of doing that. However, one of the quotes that I had been carrying in my pocket for nine months at this point was one from uh, William Shakespeare. He said, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Our doubts are traitors. And and so I would, as I was contemplating and really doing the planning of getting on that bus and coming here, and my fear kept trying to stop me because what if you get killed? What if, you know, what if it just is a horrible, you know, what if, what if, what if, the what if monster showed up a lot? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would ask, again, we come back to the questions. What am I going to lose if I can't get myself to do this? Mm. Well, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose my life. Clearly, I'm going to lose my life if I can't get myself to leave town. I had l- already left this man at this point nine times. I had left him nine times, and I had gone back to him nine times. Wow! And I knew I was going to die at his hands. Everybody knew it. Everybody who knew the two of us knew that he was going to kill me if I stayed. And so, what am I going to lose if I can't? get myself to do this, I'm going to lose my life. Well, what am I going to win? What am I going to gain if I can? If I can get myself to get on the bus and go and do what I feel really called to do, what am I going to gain? What am I going to – well, the first thing that came to mind was self-respect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going, just because of, I was able to get myself to do it. And I didn't know tangible things. I had no idea. I had no clue what was going to happen. But I knew that as a person – I could only get better. I could only become a better person as a result of this choice. So, so okay, so so that get, got me to a point of not letting okay, – Mary, Mary does something that I always find very powerful, and I do it to this day. When she talked about fear in that program all those years ago, she would speaking to her fear, she would hold up her hand and say, I see you. I know who you are. I know what you want. You have no power over me. You have no power. She would hold her hand up in the stop position, like a police officer. Stop. I see you. I know who you are. I know what you want. You have no power over me. You don't have the power to stop me from doing this. Okay, so now what do I do? That would have brought me to a place of, you know, I know I don't want to let my fear stop me, but, oh, my God, I'm still afraid. I'm still afraid. So, yes. Martin, so Martin Luther King, this is part two of that tool. Martin Luther King said, um, I, I just drew a blank. 
uh, take the first step in faith. Take mm-hmm. the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Oh, my God, that is such a powerful quote. That take really the is. the first and, step in faith. Right. And, and, it, and, I mean, I remember climbing up the steps of the bus, saying uh, that out loud, take the first step in faith. You, I don't have to know what's going to happen. I can just take this step, and I can have faith that I'm doing the right thing. That's I, that is a very powerful quote. I I use a I mean I can use a similar kind of concept, which is that you're standing on a fo- in a foggy space and you only can see ten feet in front of you, and you you don't know what's going to be out there, but you walk toward it and the and the fog recedes. It always does. We always walk out of the fog and something else is revealed mm-hmm. in yes. terms of direction yes. we're going. So yeah, and another another thing that Mary says that's not in any of my books. I don't believe it's in any of my books. It might be in Popper Paradigm, but I don't know. Um, she she says it, and I believe she still says it. Go to the edge of the light you can see. Mm-hmm. That's a good that's way to perfect put it. for your for your fog analogy. Go to the edge of the light you can see because as you step in more into the light that you can, the light that you can see, it moves with you and that's it right. illuminates more. It's uh, what a great visual. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. And it's something we can relate to so easily, just like mm-hmm. the stairs. I mean, walking, take the next step up that that flight of stairs, you know, to get on the bus. Take the next mm-hmm. step in faith. Each one of those stairs is a big step. So that's, they're both very good visuals for what it is, that how incremental forward movement becomes. You know, yeah. you make a phone call. You you begin, you know, you you bought the book. You know, you spent the money, I mean, what probably felt like a lot of money in order to get that program, and then change your entire life. It was just a small step. Um, it is amazing. We are, as I, I think we, I, I know we've been on for a while now because we could talk a long time about this. Uh, <laughs> um, I did want to touch base on the voice that loves you because it is, it, for for those who, there are so many cynics out there who do not recognize this voice or this inner self the the component or don't understand that there is a conscious mind and a subconscious mind that is linked i mean even quantum physicists will tell you that your subconscious mind is linked to something um, that's sort of a field of all possibilities mm-hmm. and we are uh, when we fight against that we are losing one of the greatest assets in our possession um and you just have, you know you are you are so well tuned to your intuition or to your connection there that um i don't know if you have something you want to say about that but uh it certainly touched me well i and you you mentioned earlier that because you because you've read my work Mm-hmm. You know that that I don't always agree with. The, the, I call it the voice that loves me mm-hmm. because it's so different from the voice that doesn't. Ah, it's okay. So different from that inner critic mm-hmm. that that doesn't want me to step forward in faith, that wants me to stay little, that doesn't want my comfort zone to expand because it thinks it will die. If it does, you know, that's, I'm speaking of programming. I'm speaking of mm-hmm. paradigms right now. Your paradigms do not want us to grow outside of them. So it's our paradigms that is the voice of our self-doubt and that inner critic. And, and during that time of leaving the life that I knew that I knew that was familiar to me and coming to what felt like a different planet, Phoenix is very different from Portland, Oregon. I'm telling you. Um, um, I I I believe I came I came to a place of being just. I, there wasn't any other way for me to do it than to be willing to hear that other voice, the voice that loves me. Um, Gandhi said, uh, "The voice for truth speaks to every single one of us every single day, and it is as loud as our willingness to listen." Oh wow! And Powerful that quote. was that was that mm-hmm. that particular quote is one that brought me to you know what I wonder what would happen if I just be willing to listen mm. to that voice mm-hmm. and oh boy 
Oh, now, boy. Yes. Uh, I, did, did you get to the chapter uh, that's called, that's titled, The Voice That Loves Me in Successfully yes. Midair? Did you make it that far? Oh, yeah, I finished the entire book. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love your – thank you. Um, <laughs> I so went all that, the way so, yeah, it's, yeah, we don't have a lot of t- – that's a long story to tell, but oh, my goodness. What an experience. And mm-hmm. and I've had it. That voice, I, I don't – because I remember during that experience, fine, fine. I just won't go behind the bushes and cry. I'll just stand here, you know, in this situation. Something is and going to happen. Something is going to happen. Fine. I don't know what it is. And what actually happened – in that moment was not what really was going to happen, but something did happen and, and we don't have time for the whole story, but it's worth reading. <laughs> it is. And I mean, I mean, that's something that to, and, and I think that sense that you actually heard this voice. Oh yes. You know, this was a, I have had that happen to me on a couple of occasions when I have been awakened or t- by a very firm voice <laughs> and it, <laughs> It's a very real experience and uh, had import, import at the time. Um, it, again, they're, they're not things that you would necessarily uh, you know, spend a lot of time chatting about, but they are, they're, it's very real sensation at the time. Oh, so now yes. you're mid-air. Oh, I'm sorry, what? I say, so now you are mid-air. We oh, are both yes. mid-air in this mid-air forward motion of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where does that find you? Uh, it finds me right now in a place of, what's the best way to describe it? Allowing my good to present itself. And it mm. is. Mm. And it is. I am, I, am, I am not trying to control the details. And holy, holy moly, um, when, when, because I'm, you know, a type A personality, Capricorn, I want to control every detail. And it, it takes real work for me to let go and let God. And so right now, I, I just turned 50 last month, and uh, I have decided that this is going to be the year of ease for me. I'm just non-resistance, non-attachment, and the let things be what they are, and I am. I'm. It's like it's like I've slipped into a wormhole, and and that's what that 21 days felt like back then. It was like I slipped into a quantum wormhole, and I wasn't struggling against anything, and I wasn't attached to anything. So all the awesome stuff that wanted to show up in my life did. Mm. So and that's and I'm having that experience again. Right now, midair is a great place to be, and and I don't think there really is any other place for any of us. I think that we're all in midair, in some way, shape, or fashion, mm-hmm. and and it's our all midair. Of it, yes, our yes. experience of midair is completely up to us. You mean I get to choose what I think about things? Yes, you absolutely do. And what, what you choose to think about whatever's going on in your life is going to create your experience of your life. And, and that right now, I just choose to, um, to live in peace and non-resistance and non-attachment and ease. You know, I made a conscious intention at the beginning of the year. This is my 50th year. I am going to make it a year of ease. I'm going to take the whole year off <laughs> from wow. struggling against anything. And mm-hmm. as I'm doing that, our I'm, our whole life is shifting. It's like we're making a quantum leap up up the you know the outward spiral that we all live in. That the universe is is that upward outward spiral of expansion and fuller expression. That's what I'm experiencing as I don't struggle against anything. It's amazing. That's wonderful. That's that's a lovely feeling to hear. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap this up, but it's what if you had one first step that you would would offer to someone out of all these things that you've said today um, that, that listeners might you know could could put in their in their back pocket to carry with them. Uh, to help them get back on their feet after their particular brand of disaster, whatever it is, 
mm-hmm. what what would that be? Tool number one, start with the open moment. Mm-hmm. Be willing to believe. You mean, you mean I could do this a different way? You know, be, there's got to be a better way for me to live than this. There's got to be a better way for me to see and perceive what's going on than this. Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you can look at your disaster or whatever with a willingness to see it differently, which is another way to say the open moment, just being Mm -hmm. willing to believe in the possibility that it's all going to work out beautifully and what if this is just what my dream looks like right now, Mm -hmm. just be willing to to be okay in that. What if this is just what my dream looks like right now? That takes all the pressure off. Do you know, this reminds me of a funny story that that we, we it's sort of black humor, but it was <laughs> after, just prior to the landslide, we had, um, Peter and I, for, for quite some time, had been talking about wanting to get a bigger house, a bigger, a ranch, where we could do what he does. He provides the things that make Westerns authentic. And a lot of stuff. Our house was crammed with stuff. And so in order for us to, to when we even contemplated it, we would think, oh, we're going to have to sell this house in, you know, to, to move to a bigger ranch. And there's no way we could sell this house with all of this stuff in it. It will, you know, we couldn't stage it properly. No one would ever believe it was a decent-sized house. So we're going to have to empty the house before we can move. And we kept saying that and laughing about it and joking about it for quite some time. And when the landslide came through, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. We had to empty the house. And that we moved on. Such and we a great, what a great <laughs> example of where I place my attention. I'm placing my intention. Yes, yes. <laughs> It was, and I do. We do laugh about it because we see it. I mean, it's just right smack in front of our faces that we place that in, you know, attention there. And it wasn't what we would have consciously chosen, but that's the way it worked out. And and it has been filled with blessings. And we consider, in spite of all that happened and what a mess it was, we do feel blessed because we have moved on to far greater and more wonderful things afterwards. Yay! Yes, Um, Sandy. Uh, where can our listeners get more information about you and your current work? Uh, I have a website, which is choose your choose like make a choice choose your universe dot com, uh, or email me at choose your universe at gmail dot com. Um, I have blogs, but they're available through the website, and uh, you know I'm I do have a little video ministry and you know it's or i'm on facebook Mm -hmm. sandra Mm -hmm. ann daily is my is my facebook page uh one of several (laughs) Uh, but that's a good place to find me too okay Um, well that's great i think that's you know that will the people who have heard what you have to say today and and resonated with it uh will have a good place to look for you there and start to tap into more of what you have to say so thank you so much for coming on the show with me today, Sandy. Wow. Um, thank you for uh, having you know, me. You are such an inspiration um, to those who are in the process of rebuilding their lives. And I sum it up um, to be that you can choose to be happy in spite of loss, and you will be. Just ask better questions. Mm-hmm. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Once again, to learn about Reverend Sandra Ann Daly, head over to www.chooseyouruniverse.com. Before we sign off, here's your call to action. Grab your notebook and write down the questions or tools that uh, Sandra mentioned today. And if you want, listen to this again for the, to, to find out which of those questions really resonates with you about your situation. And then sit with those questions and write down the ideas that feel as if they will move you forward toward what you want and need right this moment. Then set a goal to use one of these ideas to take at least one positive action every day. 
Oh, and there's something else that she didn't mention on the call today, but I, I do remember her mentioning this before. Every night, start doing a self-acknowledgement exercise. Mm. Right? Ten things that show you ways that you've been of value, are worthy, or deserving as a person. Not a gratitude exercise, that's something different. But this is to acknowledge yourself, your own self, build your self-esteem by doing ten things for your, where you can self-acknowledge what you've yes. been today. Very important. Yes, so. Action is the way forward to rebuild, to pursue your dreams, to overcome what's holding you back. If you are ready to move from disaster to prosperity, the time to start is now, right where you are. Success is the continual act of deciding to take actions that move you toward the creation of what you desire. You can choose rainbows over ruins. You can choose to move from disaster to prosperity. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.